Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation. And check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We're back with Bruce Olav Solheim. His book is called Timeless. Bruce, what about any demonic situations? Have you stumbled into that? Yes, unfortunately. Oh, boy. Uh, that, is, that is also out there in the uh, paranormal world, in the spirit world. And sure these, is. Uh, these things, as far as I understand, have never been human never will be human, but they are very real and very scary. I'll, I'll tell you, there's a couple of them. Uh, one of them was a, uh, when I was about 18 years old, I was in a very low place in my life, very uh, down. I was uh, not very successful. I dropped out of school, uh, out, of, out of the University of Washington. I was mm-hmm. living in my brother's garage, sleeping uh, on the concrete floor on a mattress, and uh the, just the, the night before this incident happened, I, I had cut across, you know, I, I was 18, but I was still acting like I was a little kid. I'd still cut across yards and jump fences and stuff because just to, you know, because I, it's it just an old habit. Yeah. Anyway, I went through the yard of, of an old lady who all of us in the, in the neighborhood thought she was a witch. And uh, she lived alone, and there was a story, I don't know if it was true, that her husband had died, and she left him there for a month until the neighbors complained that, you know, there was something, some kind of odd smell. And then, uh, anyway, so she, her legend grew by leaps and bounds. So I was, I was cutting through her yard, and I saw a candlelight in the window, and I just momentarily looked, and there she was. And she was a very scary-looking person. She had, you know, this gray hair that was kind of shooting off in all directions. Yeah. She had this... She had the ulcerous, old hag syndrome, right? Yes, she had the ulcerous, cancer, as it turned out, cancerous sore on her nose. And, oh, God. and she had me... I felt like a deer in the headlights. I was just frozen, and I was just staring at her. And she had... It was either... A, it was a candle. Yeah, she had a candle in the window. And she was just staring at me, and it, it just scared me. And finally, I broke away from her gaze, and I ran to my brother's garage, and I, and I, and I, you know, went into to I fell asleep. Well, later that probably early in the morning, I woke up uh, to a very frightening sight uh, at the foot of my the mattress bed that I was sleeping on the floor. There was like a, a column of fire that was coming up out of the floor, and I and I thought this is the worst dream. This is a horrible dream. And so I pinched myself, I slapped myself, and no, I was awake. And this column of fire then spread over me in an arc from head, from foot over my head, you know, probably six feet in the air and kind of like an arc and like pulsating fire, like a current of fire going over my head. And it, and if that wasn't scary enough, there was also this, this very, dem, what I would classify as a demonic, low growly voice speaking in, in just these guttural tones. And I'm not sure how long it lasted. It might have just been a couple minutes, but it seemed like it, it took forever. And uh, it, it was very, very frightening, and it was it was horrible. And, and uh, after it was over, I was, you know, my heart rate was way up. I was sweating. I immediately called my, my girlfriend, and, and uh, I told her, you know, that something terrible had happened. She said, well, you know, why don't you come over in, in, in the morning? And I did, and I explained it to her, and she looked at me, and she said, uh, 
well, you know, uh, I think maybe we should call a psychiatrist. What do you think? And I, I said, well, just forget it. You know, maybe I just made it up. But of course, I didn't. It, right. it did happen. And I, I think it had something to do with this, this old lady. I think that I had frightened her or made her angry and something had been summoned. And I, it, it was a terrible, terrible thing. And that, that, that's one of the experiences I've had. It's one of the most scary things that's, that's ever happened to me. And just as, as I'd remember it as if it would just happened yesterday, I could feel the heat. I could hear that growly voice that just seemed to fill the whole room. And yeah, it was, it was, it was horrible. Wouldn't want to go through that again, would you? No, no, it was, it was, it was very real, very real, too real and uh, nothing that it, so I, I think what happens is that these kinds of things know when you're at the lowest point in your life and that's when you're susceptible. Uh, and I, I think that they seize that opportunity. I think so too. I mean, they, they know when you're down, they know when you're on drugs or you're drunk and that's when they get you and they get you a good time. I don't want to dwell too much on the demons, but tell us the other story. Well, the other one, uh, also a a foolish kind of thing. Uh, there was actually, uh, I was in Germany. I was a soldier in Germany at working at the prison, the military prison in Mannheim, West Germany, when it was East and West Germany, we were in West Germany. And, uh, there was a, a, a counselor at the prison, of all people, a counselor who's like a senior NCO, and he was into uh, 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 witchcraft. So he had invited me and my girlfriend to his, his room because he was bragging about what a you know, powerful warlock or witch or whatever that he was. And at the time, I was kind of, well, I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of you know, skeptical, but interested. So we went in there at, into his room, and he had uh, this very frightening setup, you know, very typical Satan worshiping kind of stuff, upside down cross, a, a goat's head kind of thing going on and candles and, and that stuff. So uh, I said, well, I, you know, I don't think this is anything that I'm interested in. And I got my girlfriend and we left and, and he was being very, very spooky and very scary about this whole thing. And, and uh, so I decided that I was going to look into, uh, uh, you know, this kind of thing. So I, I, I thought maybe as a defense, you know, I, maybe I should try to one-up him, you know, and try to scare him or something. And and uh, and I also felt like maybe he was trying to move in on my girlfriend, too. So I had a little mm-hmm. bit of that, you know, kind right. of thing going on, competitive thing. So I, I went to the, uh, you know, for soldiers, they had uh, art rooms or like arts and crafts areas. And and uh, there was a, uh, um, a, a ceramics instructor there. And he, I asked, I'd like to, you know do something with some clay. And he said, gave me some clay. And I had been looking at a demonology book and, uh, or no, no, he had a demonology book. That's what it was. And I was fashioning a, uh, what I thought would be, you know, some kind of scary looking head. And it would turned out to be a demon head that I had fashioned. And this was just, you know, very stupid to be doing this. And as I was doing this, this guy took notice of me, this instructor, and he had this demonology book and, uh, he said, you know, I'm very interested in this. What is this you're doing? And I said, well, I'm just trying to make this scary looking head to scare this guy. And he said, well, that's, that's very, very interesting. You know, I'm very interested in, in demonology. And he started to get really strange, you know, just like the counselor at the prison. He was acting very strange, like they were maybe birds of a feather or something. And uh, so I finished this demon head and I got out of there. And I took it back to the barracks, and I took it to my girlfriend's room, and she wasn't there at the time, but her, her girlfriend, uh, roommate, let me in. 
And I set it up on her nightstand, and there was like this mirror behind it. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to freak her out, and then I'm going to freak her out, and then we're going to go and freak out this other guy and get him to get, you know, get away from us. So I set up these candles around it. Stupid, right? So uh, I was <laughs> well, the intent was it. the intent was good, right? It, it was it was maybe a good intent, but it was playing with stuff I didn't understand. So I'm sitting there looking at it, and the girlfriend left. Uh, I mean, the the uh, the roommate left, and I was just there by myself, sitting there staring at this thing. All of a sudden, its lips started to move, and it started to say things in that same kind of guttural voice that I had heard uh, before I had joined the army in that, that other incident that I told you about. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty scary. And I thought, at first, this isn't real, but then it kept happening. And then my girlfriend walked in, and she immediately said, what are you doing? And I said, well, your roommate let me in. And then she says, what is that? And she pointed to it, and I said, oh, that's this thing I made to scare the, you know, this counselor guy. And she said, you know, that's very interesting because when I was in, and she was telling me, when I was in high school, I made something that looked exactly like that, and I had to throw it away because it started to interact with me. And I, and I said, well, that, hey, that's what this did, you know, and, and she, she freaked out. She grabbed it. She opened up the window, and from the third floor, she threw it out the window into the dumpster that was down on the, in the parking lot. And she said, you don't ever play around with that kind of stuff. And uh, so that was the other uh, kind of demonic uh, incident that I, that I had. So it, the, the big lesson there is don't play around with things you don't understand. Even if the intention might be mm -hmm. good or somewhat good, uh, these are forces that you, you don't want to play around with. And, and if you are at a low point or you invite them in, that's when you can have trouble. Do you think you invite them in with a Ouija board? Oh, I, I don't play around with Ouija boards at all. I no, think they're very either. dangerous. Me you, I, I you, you, you had a 9-11 premonition, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I was uh, in Norfolk at, at the biggest naval base in the world in, in Norfolk, uh, Naval Station Norfolk, with two other professors. And we were uh, um, experimenting with doing... Uh, distance education for the Navy. And eventually we did get a part of a Navy contract to do that. But on this particular day, uh, it was the morning of 9-11 before everything happened, early morning. Uh, I had had a, a nightmare. I woke up from a nightmare early in the morning. And in this nightmare, the whole world was shaking. It was like uh, the earth was seizing, like a horrible earthquake. But, you know, there were fissures in the ground and you couldn't stand up. It was so bad. And Mountains were crumbling, and the sky was turning a dark color, and it was just like an end of the world, uh, end of the world kind of apocalyptic scenario. And I woke up in a in a sweat and and nervous and scared, and I I went to breakfast with my uh, uh, friends, or just like a continental breakfast, and I told them about this nightmare, and then we proceeded to the uh, the base, and uh, we were on a tour when the sirens went off. And they closed off the base, and we went back to the education center and saw what was happening on 9/11. So, so that was my um, my precognitive or, or premonition dream. It wasn't specifically about airplanes or buildings, but it certainly was uh, the you know in a, a very apocalyptic event that or or life changing and world changing event. And later I learned uh, that this was there were many people around the world who had. Uh, nightmares, some more, much more specific uh, than mine, but that very morning that this happened. So yeah. there, there is. My daughter had one of those too. We didn't know oh, exactly. Really? Yeah, we didn't know what it was, Bruce. But uh, she, she, she had the vision. 
she was uh, in the in a city where ash was falling down on her. She said it was about a foot deep. Um, but you know, then then like a day later, it happened, and she said that was it. Yeah, yeah. Some people had it that morning. Some people had it a few days before, or the day before. But there's there's so many people around the world who have who have uh, verified that this that this happened to them, and so there is something to that. This this the that, that people had sensed that, and and in a, on a massive scale. So which is, and it's been studied. Uh, I think. Uh, Dean Radin talks about it in one of his books. I, I, I can't remember which one of his books, but yeah, he does talk about that. What do you think of telepathy? I I, I think uh, I've had experience with with telepathy with my with my mother, and uh, she was very psychic. And we used to just a regular deck of playing cards when I was uh, younger, uh, pre uh, camping on the Oregon coast. We'd have wonderful camping trips on the uh, uh, Oregon coast. And at night, my mom would bring out the deck of cards and we would uh, try to read each other's minds. So she would send, you know, she'd have a card, she'd look at it and send me the, you know, try to send me what, what the card was. And uh, well above chance, we would get the, the suit, right? We would get the, sometimes the number or the, or mm-hmm. the, the you know, whether it was a king or a jack, a face card. Uh, very often we'd get it, we'd get it uh, right. Uh, to the to the point where it would make my dad upset because he was a very practical carpenter, blue collar guy, no nonsense, and he'd let us do it for a while. And then once we had got a few hits, he'd say, "Okay, that's it, stop it." No more. Yeah. He did. He said, "When Dad said stop it, we had to stop." Uh, and my my mom, you know, so I had a special kind of relationship with my mom dealing with that, and I. She's the one that I think really cultivated it, and I, I, that's where I got it from. It's, it wasn't from my dad. I got the storytelling thing from my dad. That's how I ended up being a history teacher, but I think I got the psychic stuff from my, my mom. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.